Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Come on, we are celebrating Easter. And listen, listen. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then today's teaching is an affirmation of your faith, where you know that what Jesus said, what Jesus did, it is still true, that he died and rose from the dead, that we have forgiveness of sin, we have been set free, we will spend forever with him. And listen, in the early church, they would often say, he is risen, like that would be what the pastor would say. And then all the people, which means wherever you are at any 12-stone campus, whether you're at 12-stone home, I don't care if you're sitting there with, with just a couple of you, some friends, or on your own, I get to say, he is risen, and you all say, that's Southern, you all say with your whole heart and your whole voice, he is risen indeed. That's your response. You got it? Are you ready? He is risen. He is risen indeed. He surely has. He surely has. Now, it's going to be an affirmation of our faith, but today is going to be a spiritual awakening for some of you who have never resolved your faith. Oh, this is a huge day. Sacred. Maybe for the first time, the Holy Spirit draws you to himself. You have an awakening that everything Jesus said and did is true. You'll have a moment today to be spiritually reborn into the kingdom of God. It'll be the best decision, best day of your life, but we got to start with a question. So here it is. Have you ever made a mountain out of a molehill? Have you, have you ever made a mountain out of a molehill? My mom used to say that to me as a kid. Anybody's parents ever say that to them growing up or any of you use that line? Okay, a bunch of people. It's, it's making a mountain. It's making a big deal out of something really small. Marsha and I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, went down to Key West. We got our little break a couple of days and, uh, we decided when we were going to leave the hotel this particular morning uh, and, and walk down and check out the, uh, the Hemingway house, and it, it was 3.5 miles away. I got my GPS, 3.5 miles away. We're either going to take the car or we're going to, it's a beautiful day, we're going to walk it. But here's the deal. You're not, if we walk it there, we don't have the car. And we walk around in that area, and then we got to walk back. Now, the walk there is going to be awesome. The walk back, not so much. It's going to feel great in the morning, because, because, and, and it was. Every, every minute was like a second. It just passed. We're seeing new stuff. It's cool. It's beautiful, crisp morning. We decided to do it without the car, take the walk. And then we walked around the area and did some other tour stuff and, and had lunch. And we'd walk maybe seven miles. And, and then we're done with lunch. It's time to get back. And we want to just get back. There's nothing else to see. And I checked the GPS, 3.7 miles. How we can do that? I mean, let's just get back. Let's get in the sun. Let's get out. Let's read a book. Let's chill out. And we start walking. And every second felt like a minute. I mean, it dragged. It dragged so long. It was just pure sun. Just no shade. That after I check it and, and I look and we still got three miles to go. I mean, we've been walking for hours. 
And we still, do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? We're just time is like, what, why did we decide? And we're starting to get, we're not talking anymore. You just sweat and you're like, why did we do this? And she's, she like, we had, two, we had a couple miles left. She said, can we just Uber? I said, we're two miles. You can't get an Uber two miles away in a place like this. Finally, we stopped. And we got a water and, and says, how far away are we? I'm like, we're just a, it's a mile up the road. So I pull out GPS and I checked again, 1.7. Like, is somebody punking me? Are we like on a treadmill? Are we just going nowhere? This 10 miles forever today. And I saw this guy walking out ahead of us. He's coming toward us. And you can't miss him because he's got this big cardboard sign above his head that says, love life. Let me, here, here's the picture of the guy. So he's coming toward us. And, and I said, Marshall, look at that guy. I saw this guy, I swear I saw this guy on the intercoastal highway coming in a couple of days ago. I mean, you are going to miss that. It's not like it can't be two of those. So as he comes closer, I'm like, I got to. I got in and I said, excuse me, hey, um, how far have you walked? He said, just past 47,000 miles. Like, man, my, I'm getting old. My ears are not working. Bro, like, tell me again. How far have you walked? Actual miles. Over 47. Does that blow your mind? Over 47,000 miles. He says, I've, I've walked more than any living human being that I know of on earth. I've been across America eight times, up and down the Appalachian. I'm like, what? Yeah. He handed me a little card. And as he walked away, Marsh and I had a 1.7 miles left. <laughs> You ever feel like, man, we were making a mountain out of a mole. Sometimes, listen, sometimes the thing you just need to overcome is your attitude. Okay? It's not, you don't need prayer. You don't need all of Jesus. You don't need everything that's happening in the kingdom of heaven. Just get over yourself. You're just making a mountain out of a molehill. Well, when we got back, I, I looked up his, you know, love life. And I was like, what's his story? And I read his story. His son, his only son, had taken his life. His daughter died of an overdose and he started walking to raise awareness to say to the world love life it is so precious it is so valuable don't treat cheaply what is a really big deal you know what I got out of that don't make a molehill out of a mountain don't take something big and treat it small. That's Easter. Easter is Jesus, God in human flesh, coming to earth and overcoming what we tend to overlook. We tend to treat sin and death like it's a small, no, sin is no big deal, whatever. Let's laugh about it, joke about it, dismiss it. Who cares? We overlook it. And Jesus is saying, you are making a molehill out of a mountain. Sin and death is a mountain to overcome. Sin and death is a, the mountain you need to overcome is sin and death. The mountain you need to overcome is what, everybody? Sin and death. Couldn't hear you. The mountain we need to overcome is what? Sin and death. That's what's taken us out. Jesus would, Jesus would have great compassion for this guy. His name is Steve Fugit. Steve, I, I understand your loss. Sin and death is devastating. That's what Easter's about. Let's put it up here. 
Easter, Jesus has overcome sin and death so that we can overcome. You're like, what's Easter about? That's it. Jesus has overcome. Jesus is what everybody overcome sin and death so that we can overcome. I have told you, John 16, 33, these things, that is the truth of Easter. I've told you the truth of Easter so that in me, you may have peace. Now in this world, you're going to have trouble. Things are going to overcome you. You're going to have trouble, but take heart, be of courage, gain great strength because I've overcome the world. What have I overcome? What's he saying? He's overcome sin and death. So let's take the first part of it. Jesus has overcome sin and death. Let's talk about it. Because sin is more than just behavior, actions. Sin is, sin is a way of thinking as well. Sin distorts our thinking. It confuses it. It makes up, down, and down, up. It takes half-truths and makes them seem like whole truths. A whole bunch of that is going on in our world. And the, and the evil one... The evil one gets us to join in the, in the, the influence of, of media and culture whenever they say, hey, just dismiss Jesus. After all, Jesus' teachings, they're, they're shallow, they're religious, they're baseless. Really? I mean, Jesus gave the most comprehensive clarity to life's biggest questions. Questions like these, and you know these are the questions of life. Is life an accident, or am I here on purpose? Jesus helps us understand origins and identity. And it's not just a sideshow thought. It's got to be comprehensive and clear. It's got to make sense with the next question. Why do bad things happen to good people? So, so he gives us an understanding of suffering. But that's got to make sense with things like, why can't I make my own rules? In other words, understanding morality with important questions like, why can't God just accept me the way I am? Understanding true love, not the world's definition, but God's definition, real love, true love, authentic love, isn't one way to God narrow-minded. Easter. I mean, just, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. No one comes to the Father except through me. How narrow-minded is that? But why? Are heaven and hell real? Questions of eternity. Listen, we all have great questions. They're big questions. Jesus answers them comprehensively and clearly like no one else. That's why we wrote the book, Grown Up Faith has the 10, the other questions, 10 big questions of life. And yet we sit in a world where people talk about a Jesus they've never actually read after. I just wonder, do, you, do we realize that when you reject Jesus, you're accepting something else? I mean, when you reject him, what are you accepting? When people say, well, I have doubts about Jesus. Well, don't you have doubts about what the world is feeding you? Don't you ever question that? Don't you question and have some doubts about what the world says regarding origins and identity? Regarding morality and suffering? Regarding what love really is? And eternity? I mean, we, we should have questions. And yet we live in a world that says, oh, just dismiss it. 
Isn't this, isn't this the world that's encouraging us to the very sins that eventually we have to overcome because they undo us? I mean, if, yeah, just honest for a bit, you know, no, not trying to do judgmental stuff toward one another. We, we all have our battles, but doesn't our world, I mean, we're all in it. We kind of join in this. Don't we sensationalize and rationalize all kinds of sins? Drunkenness and, and, and drugs and, and, and indulgences and, 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 and sex without boundaries. And, and on movies and music, we, we, we sensationalize adultery and selfishness and malice and greed. And then we wonder why our lives are falling apart, why marriage is falling apart, why our kids are so broken. Really, we wonder? And aren't those the things we end up eventually having to say we need to overcome? I mean, if you're not, if you're rejecting Jesus, what are you accepting? Because God knows we need freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. It is no gift to affirm someone in their sin that's eventually going to undo them. Sin is killing us and it's costing us everything. So no wonder Easter the big conversation. But more than that, Jesus saying we make a molehill out of sin and death, and it's a mountain. Have a real conversation. Get honest to God about what we're navigating here. There's no religious moment. This is life changing. It's the big deal. And by the way, you know, do you know? If you don't, I'll, I'll, it's just, you've never heard this. Sin can't just be forgiven. Not God. God doesn't just wave his hand. You're forgiven. Ooh. All right. Do it again. Have some fun. But you're good. It's not like a little slap on the wrist. It's not like, oh, do a couple good deeds and you're good. Sin needs to be atoned for to be forgiven. It needs to be paid. It is a debt that needs to be paid. It's the only way you can be forgiven. Look at Hebrews chapter 9. Here's what he reveals to us without the shedding of blood. I know it sounds a little gory and, and the violent death of Jesus on the cross is gory. It's horrific. It's huge suffering for our sake without the shedding of what everybody blood without the shedding of blood. That's death without a death to cover the sin debt without the shedding of blood. There is no forgiveness of sin. You can't understand Easter without understanding that the big deal is sin and death. That's what needs to be overcome. That all of us have sinned. That's what Romans 3 tells us. All have sinned and we've fallen short of God's design and glory and perfection. It goes on in Romans 6 to say the consequences, the wages, the payment for sin is death. So that's what we're all headed toward. So we're going to die physically. We're going to die spiritually in our relationship with God. We're, we, we die eternally separated from him. This is no molehill. This is a mountain. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The love of God. See, the justice of God is answered in Jesus, who like a lamb went to slaughter See, Jesus left heaven, came to earth, and he never sinned. Listen, and because he never sinned, he would never have died. 
So when he died, even physically, he died voluntarily because there was no sin and no payment required. Therefore, his blood can once and for all apply to our sin debt. Hallelujah. How good is God? That's the celebration of Easter. That's why you, you need to hear. You don't, make a, don't make a molehill out of sin and death. It's a mountain to be overcome. Thanks be to God. Jesus did this for us. And yet, and yet the world says, the evil one whispers through our world, particularly in our country, and says, reject Jesus, dismiss him. We have got to get rid of Jesus. By the way, that was happening at the first Easter, just so you know. This is like, oh, what a new thing that's happening today. That was at the first Easter. The Jewish religious leaders said, we got to get rid of this guy. And so, and so they send him to Pilate, the, the, the Roman governor of Judea, and, and look at the conversation that happens with Pilate. Nothing new under the sun. Jesus says, Talking with Pilate, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. The what, everybody? The truth. And everyone on the side of truth, there is truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. That's what Jesus said. Look at Pilate's response. What is truth, retorted Pilate. Oh my gracious, what is truth? Seriously? You're, you're the truth. <laughs> what is truth? Hey, you got your truth, I got my truth. We think whatever happens in modern day is like brand new. Never happened before. Man, we're the first generation to really have the conversation. If you got your truth, I got my truth. That was a couple thousand years ago. But you see what Pilate was doing? He was dissolving truth by dismissing Jesus and saying there is no truth. Therefore, I can have my own truth. That is sin at its very core. And they were rejecting Jesus 300 years after Pilate. In 325 AD, they finally, the church had a gathering, the Nicene Council. Because even people in the church were rewriting and redefining who Jesus is. They're like, oh yeah, we follow Jesus. But they were changing the dictionary, who he really is. Writing their own truth. Nothing new under the sun. I got my truth, you got your truth. And so they gathered. And at the Nicene Council, you may not know this in history. You might not care. I hope before we're done, you start caring. That, that they wrote the Nicene Creed. I have it here on a scroll. Is this the original? It is not. I wish it were. That'd be awesome. You know, there's roughly, depending on how you, which version you picked, 874,000 words in the Bible. And they realized we have got to get the essence of the Bible. Everybody didn't have a Bible in 325 AD. And so they put the Nicene Creed together, 271 words for the essence of the truth. Because in a world of fog and confusion, you better know what's true because you're building your life on it. It's worth the read of the whole creed because in the center of it is Jesus and Easter. And we're going to unpack this creed because it's old English. You're like, really? Yep. We're going to unpack this in the series following Easter to know what do you build your life on. So check this out. This is, this is the creed. And again, it doesn't read like a modern flow. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, of things visible and invisible. 
And in one Lord Jesus Christ, there he is, the Son of God, the begotten of God the Father, the only begotten, that is of the essence of the Father. Not created, the essence of the Father. God of God, light of light, true God of true God, begotten and not made, of the very same nature of the Father, by whom all things came into being in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. In other words, Jesus is God, creator, who for us, humanity, and for our salvation, here we go, for our salvation came down from heaven, was incarnate, was made human, was born perfectly of the Holy Virgin Mary by the Holy Spirit. Merry Christmas. (laughs) By whom he took body, soul, mind, and everything that is in man, truly and not in semblance. He suffered, was crucified, was buried, rose again on the third day, ascended into heaven with the same body, and sat at the right hand of the Father. This is Easter. Suffered, crucified, buried, rose again on the third day, ascended to heaven with the same body, and now sits at the right hand of the Father. That's who he is. That's what we celebrate. And it goes on. He is to come with the same body and with the glory of the Father to judge the living and the dead of his kingdom. There is no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, in the uncreated and the perfect, who spoke through the law, prophets, and gospels, who came down upon the Jordan, preached through the apostles, and lived in the saints. We believe also in only one universal apostolic and holy church in one baptism in repentance for the remission of sin, the forgiveness of sins, and in the resurrection of the dead, in the everlasting judgment of souls and bodies and the kingdom of heaven and in the everlasting life. I know that's a lot of old English, but over the next seven, eight weeks, we are going to unpack that, translate that into what do we believe in a world where for the five, ten years ago, things were once true are now called false. Things once false are now called true. There's fog. COVID has certainly added to it. What do you build your life on? If you just build your life on sand, when the storm comes, you will be overcome. But you build your life on Christ, it stands in the midst of all storms. He overcame sin and death. Glory to God. Listen. You not only need to understand the creed because it's the core of the Bible, but we're going to translate that old English through Scripture into real life. What does God help us overcome? Because that's true. If you're a follower of Christ, you're going to love the series. If you don't understand Christianity, finally, we're going to kind of have a series to explain it in a profound way. And you'll go, finally, I get it. In fact, literally today, you'll have a moment to say yes to Jesus. And if God draws you to himself and you say yes to him, we pray you will. It will be your spiritual birthday. We just said, man, it'd just be cool if you had your own copy of the Nicene Creed. Well, you know, not a big deal, but we want you to have it in a, in a moment to mark your faith and, and sign and date the days. Okay, I settled it with Jesus. So in all the kindness of God, it's why we celebrate the song that we sang. Oh, the blood of Christ has ransomed me. Oh, my shame undone, my chains released. I'm no longer a slave to my suffering. Oh, the blood of Christ has set me free. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amazing grace. How sweet is love. Hallelujah, hallelujah, my debt is paid by the Savior's blood. That's what we celebrate together. And because Jesus has conquered sin and death, because he has overcome, we can overcome. That's good news. So, I want you to hear a story, and it's worth the next eight minutes. I want you to meet Greg. Greg's the dad in the story. <sighs> Greg will tell you in his own story. You know, he's religious enough that he'd attend church, but he wasn't following Christ. 
caught in alcoholism. God did a profound thing in his life. Listen to his story. Lean in. His daughter, Charlie, deeply affected by the dysfunction and brokenness. You know, dismissive of Christ and faith because of what she saw. Went down a dark road, how Christ rescued her, helped her overcome. This is a profound story of how he helps us overcome. Lean in. I would start having a few beers on the weekend or out with the guys after work and such. I moved to Georgia in the summer of 2010. In the last four hours of the drive, all I could think about was getting home to a scotch. So that might have been the first time in my life that I ever, I need a drink. And the job I took, it was a very tough job, probably the most mentally exhausting job I ever had, a lot of infighting. I would go buy a bottle of uh, scotch, and I'd go up to my room and I'd watch TV and, you know, drink you know, about half a bottle until I went to sleep. And then over a few years, you know, the drinking just started to become a normal routine. Probably around like my uh, middle school age is when I started noticing that my dad and I, um, we would argue a lot and we would fight a lot. My daughter, I always called her payback because she reminded her of me. My two sons were terrified of me. She took a lot of discipline. She would get into a lot of trouble. I would always be in fear of, okay, when your dad gets home, you're gonna have to tell him what you did. And he wasn't home a whole lot. So when he was home, it just was, it was just a bunch of um, anxiety, uh, very uncomfortable, very toxic environment. And I didn't want to bring anybody home. I didn't really, I didn't feel okay at home. Textbook alcoholic dad, hey, I'm providing. They have everything they need. Kids need something, here you go, here it is. Wow, well, here you go, here it is. You know, but leave me alone. I tried to make friends who could drive, and those friends tended to be older than me and just kind of played into why I got into drugs and alcohol pretty early on in my age. For that reason, I got expelled from one of my private schools for bringing weed onto the campus. I remember they told me they were either gonna call the police or my parents, and I really wanted them to call the police because I knew that whatever was gonna happen, um, whatever they told my parents, my dad was gonna be a monster. My doctor and my wife, who's a very accomplished, intelligent nurse, both said, they're at the end, you maybe have a year to live. And I remember doctor, my doctor saying, you cannot continue to live like this. And the best way I can explain how I felt about that was, I would honestly rather have another year of booze than 30 years of sobriety. If I'm being raised in a Christian home, like my dad's a Christian, I don't wanna be a part of this. I have to go to church every Sunday. They made me go to church every Sunday, and that just made it all the more less desirable for me. Uh, my mental health was declining at this point pretty rapidly. So I scraped up enough money to the, I still don't even know how I did that, but um, I did, and I moved to Sandy Springs because I thought Atlanta would be a new start. Um, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> I was very sick. There's a lot of holes in my memory, just because uh, a lot of the time I was pretty manic. Um, I was experimenting with heavy drugs and drinking a whole lot. I left the house, like my parents' house, with like two tattoos, and I came home with all of this. Like my rent money <laughs> went to tattoos, and I would call my parents like I can't afford rent. So, started experiencing blackouts, and I knew I wasn't doing that great of a job, I didn't care. 
And that night, I went to bed at 10, and for the first time in years, I slept through the night. For whatever reason, I didn't have my morning drink. Didn't take any with me to work. Don't know why. And I'm driving, and it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon in this town, and I'm going to advance the track on my CD player. And uncontrollably, I just sat up in my seat and said, I am an alcoholic. And I started repeating that louder and louder, not to convince myself, because I knew. In that instant, I knew that I was an alcoholic, and I also knew I had no desire to ever work in my industry again, the only industry I had known for 30 years. I changed direction, drove back to the house I was staying, poured out all the alcohol. I emailed all my clients, I'm done, I'm an alcoholic, I'm gonna go get help. My wife, I think, did have a prescription for me, and they did have a bed at the hospital waiting for me. My wife came home, and I had no shakes, no sickness, no detox, no side effects of somebody that had been drinking over two-fifths of straight whiskey a day for the past several years, which, if you're in the medical profession, it's impossible. Since then, I've had two doctors and a therapist, addiction therapist, say there's no recorded record of this happening but it happened. And the only explanation is God. I mean, I know that I know that I know that I know it was God. So there was this uh, one day where I'm at a nail salon getting my nails done, because of course, you know, everything was more important than paying rent. And I get a call from my dad, who I haven't talked to since I moved out. Um, and I, I was like, why are you calling me? Like the audacity, like what now? Um, and he just called and he said, you know, I just want to let you know that you don't have to forgive me, but I'm an alcoholic and I'm really sorry. It was a very brief phone call and it was really awkward. Uh, we hung up and I just felt very compelled to forgive him. Charlie was kind of standoffish at first, but um, the next day, immediately overnight, she became my biggest cheerleader. In fact, she posted on Facebook, my dad's going sober. She tagged me, tagged the wife, tagged everybody. Because I, I just, I, I wanted to see, like, you know, what am I going to lose with forgiving him? You know, I wanted to, like, if he's being honest, let's see, you know, prove it to me. I started going to 12 Stone. I was really embarrassed to go because I, I, the way that I look, like, with all the tattoos and piercings, I didn't think that I would be allowed to step inside. Um, I felt kind of like somebody God wouldn't want to deal with. Um, they were doing open baptisms, and um, I had this this feeling. And this, I was just compelled to to go up, and I felt fit, like a physical push that I can't really explain. But I felt like you know, I unzipped the old me, and I, I walked into a new life. I went home, I was really excited. I was just super excited, and I wanted to tell my dad. And she comes in, I want to talk to you. I said, okay. So turn off the TV, you know, and I'm genuinely interested. And she says, Dad, I was saved today. I said, Charlie, what happened? Why this change? And she looked at me, she said, and I hope, I think this is her exact words. She said, Dad, I saw what God did in your life, and I know he's real, and I want that. 
Now, I had nothing to do with her salvation. That's all God and her. But the thought that God would use me. He worked out the sin in my life and the destruction I'd caused and used that to show my daughter how great he is. Not how great I am, how great he is. And that he could save and forgive her. Because if he could save and forgive me, he could do it for anybody. And uh, that was just a, that was a great day. Great day. And she has changed. The change in her has been phenomenal. Unbelievable. And I would say now we are very close. Wow, just a powerful story. Look, look how Jesus helped them overcome. I mean, look how he helped Greg overcome. Look how he helped Charlie overcome. You know, that's their story. But Easter is very personal. It's about your story. And what are you going to do with the profound truth of Jesus, your condition before him, what are you going to do with your offer? You know, the offer of God to you to come to him, to bow to him and acknowledge him as your creator, to look to Jesus as savior and ask for forgiveness of sin, to be forgiven and restored to God, your father, and to follow him. It's transforming. And it looks something like this prayer, if you wonder, like, what does that look like? This is what, what would set Greg apart. This is, would be his dedication. Or maybe in Greg's place, his rededication. Maybe quite religious, went to church, but wasn't following Jesus. That might be you. And this, this literally is you almost coming to Christ for the first time. But maybe you just call it rededication. Or for Charlie, her coming to faith. Heavenly Father, you are creator and God. I know that I have sinned against you and deserve death. But I confess my sins and turn from them. Please forgive me by the blood of Jesus. Restore me to you. I bow to you, Jesus, as my Savior and Lord. Holy Spirit, indwell me and help me to fully follow. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, so what of what your story? Here across campuses, 12 stone home. Maybe sitting there with a group, with some friends, with family. Maybe just a husband and wife. Might be alone. But God has anointed this moment. Maybe it means you join Greg with that courageous statement when he kind of had that awakening. You know, I am an alcoholic. You know, I don't know what your blank is. I am a fill in the blank. At the very least, we all say, I am a sinner. And maybe like Greg, you know, your sin is a little more private. It's not as obvious. Maybe you have success. Greg certainly did. 
Maybe it's just pride. Maybe you're even quite religious, but you don't follow Jesus. Today, the Holy Spirit is drawing you to himself. You'd offer that prayer, and this would be your spiritual birthday. Hallelujah. Maybe more like Charlie. Man, how profound was it? Do you hear what she said? I was compelled. It was almost like I was pushed. That's what the Holy Spirit does. This is even happening wherever you're gathered and the Holy Spirit is drawing you. You have a sense that this is your awakening. I love how she said, and I like, like God unzipped the old me and walked me into a, a new life. Isn't that just what Jesus does? It's what he'll do for you. It's what he's done for me. If you're a follower of Christ, you would just say to everyone, say yes to Jesus. I can't say that for you. You have to say that. You have to surrender. So we're going to offer that prayer and we're going to read it aloud together. So wherever you are, you're going to join in the reading. You don't have to stand if you're at 12 Stone Home or, or wherever you're listening to this teaching. If you're at a, a 12 Stone Live campus, would you stand? Campus pastors, would you come to the stage and do this reverently, if you would, just in a spirit of sacredness. So we'll stand here in the room, stand at all the campuses, campus pastors. If you come to the stage, this is going to be a sacred moment before the Lord. We're going to read this prayer aloud. Campus pastor is going to help me lead it at all the campuses. We're going to read this prayer. But listen, if you're a follower of Christ, this is an affirmation of your faith. Thank God he has done this for you. If you don't know Jesus, this is your chance to say yes. This becomes your prayer. So if you bow your heart, even though we're going to have our eyes open and read the prayer together, if you bow your heart and you make this your yes to Jesus, this is profound. You coming into the kingdom. If you're spiritually unresolved as you read this aloud with us, you can at least hear and see the truth of what Jesus is calling you to. So campus pastors, lead it with me. I want everyone, all the campuses, read it with me. 12 stone home, wherever you are. But if this is the moment where the Holy Spirit is pushing you, drawing you to himself. Wow. Like Greg, like Charlie. Maybe it's your dedication or rededication. Here we go. Let's offer the prayer together. Heavenly Father. You are creator and God. I know that I have sinned against you and deserve death, but I confess my sins and turn from them. Please forgive me by the blood of Jesus. Restore me to you. I bow to you, Jesus, as my Savior and Lord. Holy Spirit, indwell me and help me to fully follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.